0: everybody and welcome to 3 Beers Inn, Season 2, Episode 140, where we are going to be drinking this week Duclaw Brewing Company, Citrus Snuggie, and boy does it look fun. It's got this crazy label here and I'm going to describe that when I get to it later. But I want to welcome you one and all. The beer news and reviews that 3 Beers Inn has to offer. I'm so, so glad that you guys are here to get this show on the road. Man, I sleep wrong on my neck last night. I've been having a rough one, guys. I've been so out of it. That, like, it's just it's out of control. I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm a little concerned. For me, the month of August just started 25 minutes ago. And now it's already, we're almost done with it. <clears throat> Everybody says the time flies and all that jazz. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They weren't fucking lying. And I hate to curse that early in the show, but I just did. Um, I gotta be honest with you guys. I mean, I have been all over the place. Like I said, I've been just out of my mind Getting everything in order. I've been forgetting things. Uh, I used to write things down, and that used to help me remember. I mean, things aren't as crazy as it was around my wedding time, where I was really like, I, I really had to stay on top of everything, writing everything down and stuff like that, or I would forget and screw shit up. But, like, I think i got to go back to that. I'm not sleeping as well, you know, obviously with the baby and everything. And, oh, man, last night I slept wrong on my neck, and it is just killing me. But the thing that's really got me distracted lately, ladies and gentlemen, um is fantasy football. I mean, I have been so honed in, and I have to be, you know. And it's, I mean, I, I hate to do this to you guys, to the listeners, but I, that's been my focus. That's been my main focus. Um, <clears throat> just making sure all my ducks in a row with uh, fantasy football because it's a big part of my year. It's a big part of, you know, me. And uh, just like this podcast, I'm just as dedicated to fantasy football as, um. As I am this podcast, so I, I've been, I've been my my break times and my off times. I've been really focusing in on that, and um, as soon as as soon as the drafts are over with, I should be back to my normal self and everything like that. Well also, I'm working on another project. Um, buddy of mine, not gonna, I'm not gonna name names or anything like that, but he's launching a um a sports uh, media conglomerate situation company and uh i'm trying to help him in the production end, trying to get everything uh you know doing everything that i can to help him in terms of like uh you know the he wants to do podcasting and he wants to do websites he wants to he wants to do a whole bunch of things So i'm just trying to give him my input trying to trying to help him out the best way that i can because um i do have some experience in media here we are i'm doing a podcast right now and uh and that's that. I mean, so so with this particular podcast, I, I tried really hard to to prep it, but it's it was it's it's empty. The actual work list here is completely empty, and I don't even know what to say at this point. And that's a terrible thing. That's a terrible segue to to, to say in your in your podcast, uh, saying that I have no idea. I haven't even been watch I haven't been able to watch Secession because the new season started. I saw the season from here. Okay, I loved it. I love that show. Haven't been able to watch it. I don't even listen to true crime podcasts anymore. I'm literally all over the place. I've been listening just to fantasy football podcasts, doing a oh, excuse me, class almost below, doing just mock drafts out the wazoo. But like for example, right? So I'm in I'm in two main leagues and then a couple of fluff leagues. Right when it comes to the two main leagues, one of them has a keeper situation. And for those of you that aren't familiar with fantasy football, you get to keep two players. Um, for a period of two years, and then you have to send them back to the free agent pool. so with the keeper league um, it's a it's a point per reception as well. I'm not going to get too far into the details, but I, what I will say is this when when you have a league that uses keepers, um, it's a little bit more unpredictable when it comes to the draft that you do with those players, with those uh, other gms general managers but with my um with my legacy league, which is a standard twelve man. Uh, these guys have been we've been in this league for a period of about 10 years so it's been a long time of the same fellas doing these drafts and what I did and I know none of them listen to this show so this is great for me what I did was I went back now this is how obsessive that I am and I don't know I don't know if it's going to work out for me or not but <clears throat> it, it can't hurt to 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 try to get an edge on everybody so what I did was I went through the archives of everyone's draft of every draft And I and I and I made a log of, you know, where guys were drafted at what point by each person. So I took 12 guys, this included myself, I wanted to see my trends as well. And I wanted to see if people have tendencies when it comes to their drafts. Now, you may say to yourself, Dom, they're going to be drafting in different positions every year, you're going to have different types of, you know, picks. That's certainly true. There's no doubt about that. But it's a standard league, so you have to figure. You have to figure that running backs have a little bit of a more of a premium. Not more of a premium, but it's more about volume. But anyway, no. Long story short, one guy and I, and I shit you not, I was I was shocked. Even though this guy is inept and completely, uh, I mean, he's just he's a, he's an idiot. But he does the same thing every year. He drafts the same exact way every year, without fail. He does running back, running back, wide receiver, running back, and then he does quarterback, and then he does tight end, and then he did like defense and kicker, which is like crazy. And I remember and I fondly remember people saying, Look at this guy botching his draft every time. Now he does make it he does do well in these draft like in the in the season. That also has to do with how you pick up players and stuff like that. But nonetheless, what you're saying, Dom? what are you doing with this information how How is it going to benefit you? What's the big deal? So this is what I did so i i I have everyone's draft tendencies. They're all fairly predictable. They're all fairly uh, laid out there. And what I did was I went on uh, a fantasy site where you're able to control all of the teams when you do a mock draft. and what I did was I used the tendencies of these guys' drafts in the past. And it gave me an idea of who's going to be available for me when it comes time for me to make my pick. Now, whether that pans out or not is going to be, you know, only time will tell. But if I sat there in the draft room and I go, okay, here comes the tight end pick now, and he picks a tight end, I'm going to feel pretty darn good about myself that I did this. Or it's a colossal waste of time. There's really no in-between here, okay? But I've been so wrapped up and 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 there goes the internet on the laptop again. This is just great. Uh, nothing's really working out. I've been just so wrapped up in fantasy football and stuff that I just I mean, and I've been I've been lining up interviews for this show. It's just I've been constantly doing something. So and and I'm sitting to myself saying I gotta plan the show. I gotta plan out the show. I gotta figure out what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna figure out what I gotta do. So I, I mean you know, what are you doing? I got I got some beer. Oh, the lights just came on. That's another thing. No no lights were on down here. And it's also, you know, I always complain about the weather, which is the ultimate small talk. And I did say, I think I even said it on this show that my New Year's resolution were to be cut out the small talk. I've actually become the master of the small talk. Like I I small talk even more now. And it makes me disgusted with myself. Like, I'm just so mad that I do it. The other day, I'm walking to work, and I, and I run into a guy. He just knows my name. He doesn't really know anything about me. And he's like, how you doing, Dom? And I'm like, oh, this is, I'm good. Pretty humid out here. And I just, I was like, are you fucking, are you the weather guy? Like, when I'm not saying I'm the weather man. The weather man tells you the weather on the television. But if you're the weather guy, that means the only thing you can talk about in terms of small talk is the weather. And I hate that. I hate that. And I'm really going to, I really got to fucking, I'm, I'm reinventing myself here. If I have to redo this for next year's New Year's resolution, I'll do it. Because I'm going to, no small talk. I'm going to go right to the hard stuff. Like hardcore, just heavy talk. Hey, how you doing, Dom? Uh, I just downloaded Quicken because I'm trying to climb out of credit card debt. How are you? Oh, Jesus. Um, how about this? He's going to tell me about the weather because he's not going to know how to fucking react to anything that I'm saying. You know? Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's just its neither here nor there. But anyway, why don't we get into the hop of the week, ladies and gentlemen, because um, I think it's important for us to try to maintain some sort of decency on the show and some sort of decency. I don't know what I mean by decency. I mean some sort of structure. So let's spin this wheel here and see what we get. Make sure I get the sounds right. Ooh, Sentinel. Sentinel hops, finally. Finally, a hop that is not some weird, obscure hop that no one's ever really heard about or has heard about and no one really cares about. All right, Sentinel, let me get in here. Let me hope that the internet holds up. I hope it does. And it does. Okay, from HopList.com, we have Sentinel. Sentinel owes its existence to a mix of Brewer's Gold, Fuggle, Fuggle, East Kent Golding, and Bavarian hops, developed in 1974 and released in 1990. That's a pretty long period of time for development. Sentinel was pioneered by Charles Chuck Zimmerman and S.T. Kenny at Washington State University. It is at times referred to as Super Cascade because of its similar citric characteristic. That's actually a bit of a tongue twister there. Sentinel is a much-celebrated hop in its versatility with its depth of bitterness and forward aroma, two characteristics that balance each other beautifully. Oh, don't mind if I do. It is well-suited to pale ales and IPAs, and it's high alpha content, which we know what that means, and floral in both... It's high in alpha... High in alpha content, and it's floral in both flavor and aroma. Sentinel has had its ups and downs in the commercial brewing industry, but it's currently experiencing a return to popularity, particularly among leading craft breweries. Like I said before, it's also known as Super Cascade. Its characteristics are earthy and floral with an element of citrus. Its purpose is for bittering and aroma. The alpha acid composition is anywhere from 9.5% to 11.5%. The beta acid composition is 3.5% to 4.5%. And uh, it's resistant to prune, prunus ne- necrotic ring spot viruses, downy mildew, and Victrylium wit, wilt, whatever. It's susceptible to hop mosaic virus. I wonder what that is. Maybe that's something we'll get into um, at another time. But uh, the substitutes here are Chinook, Galania, Galena, excuse me, Nugget, Zeus, Columbus, and Cascade, USA. The style guide here, uh, it's in Extra Special Bitter, Barley Wine, Imperial Style, Indian Pale Ale, and Pale Ales. So I'm really, really excited that we finally had a hop that wasn't some weird, crazy, obscure one. So Sentinel Hops, I, I'm trying to think, are there any beers that I'm familiar with that have Sentinel Hops in them? I'm sure we've come across them at some point, because they seem like a very, um, it they seem like a very versatile hop, and they do appear quite often. But that is it for your hop of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Hop of the week is complete. Very happy about that. So I'm really trying to I'm trying to get everything together. Like I said, there's a lot of crazy things going on, and <clears throat> I'm not really crazy, but I'm trying to just keep it all together. the The sour September is weighing on my mind quite heavily because I really want to get that going. I really want that to be a thing. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get all these – because I think I – I don't know if I said this on the show, but I may have said this to someone I know. I want to do – because because if I do Sour September, you know, you got four weeks in September, right? I mean, I'm not going to do uh, – whatever. The average month has got four weeks. Some of them have five, right? Do I, I sound definitely pretty, pretty dumb right now if that's not true. But anyway, months are – uh, some weeks long. And if they're a couple weeks long or whatever, you gotta, I'm only going to do a couple of sours. I'm going to do like four sours and that's going to be sour September. No, sir. I have a goal in mind. I am going to try to go out there and procure 30 sour beers to have every single day of September. So from the Thursday to Thursday, I will be having sour beer and I will report back the collective group of the sours that I had and how I rate them, and then between all of those, one of them will reign supreme, and will pr- and will have to sit upon. Well, maybe it will sit upon the Mount Rushmore. I don't know. I don't know. But that is my that is the idea that I'm going with for the uh, sour September. It's not going to be simple. It's it's not going to be cheap, but it's something that I got to do. It's you know, I mean, because there's beers that have been ignored, just like I talked about the stats last week. And I'm not going to allow that to happen again. You know, we have to be a complete beer show or not a beer show at all. My whole social media is being flooded with this whole Amazon being on fire thing in in Brazil. And I didn't really... And, and you know, it's so unfortunate I didn't even read into it because because of how it was presented. I'm going to sound like an asshole here, but the first thing I saw was... When Notre Dame was on fire, billionaires and news media uh, flocked to its aid. Uh, But the Amazon's on fire and not a single share. And, like, whenever I see a a picture of something, like a soldier that's sad or uh, a kid that's sick, and it says, I bet this won't even get a single share, I actually... Like scoff at it, and I turn away from. it. Like I don't want to, I don't want to look at it, you know. And I think that's very unfortunate. That if the Amazon really is burning, because I'm not even, I haven't even fact checked this, and I don't intend on doing it because the internet down here is so shoddy that I don't want to fucking destroy this whole show that I'm trying to do right now. Trying to find if the Amazon is burning. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure the Amazon is burning right now. Is it a man made thing? Because sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens naturally. I don't want to sound like then. You know what, Dom? You're gonna just sound like an asshole right now, because you're saying I'm not saying we don't need no water. Let the mother burn, okay? But I am saying that in nature that does happen. There are there are fires, and then there's a re, there's a resurgence and stuff like that. But nonetheless, someone get back to me. And let me know if uh, indeed that the Amazon is burning because it kind of just popped in right now again, and I just want to know if it's true. That sound can only mean one thing and one thing only, that the beer news is here, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, I procured some news in the craft beer community, and I'm going to share it with you right now. The first thing I came across, I'm actually not going to read, because I've realized that it's meant for scientists. I myself am not a scientist. For the scientists that listen to the show, I will let you know where you could find this article, if you're out there. Uh, and, and I'm just going to leave it at a solution to prevent beer bottles from explosions. That's the, the, that's how you could tell that it's written by some scientists because there's no flavor in that whatsoever. But basically there's, there's apparently some sort of a, a quality control situation with brewing yeast where there, there, there something happens with the, with the bottle fermentation where it becomes so out of control that these bottles explode. And there actually became a problem where if some of the bottles were exploding with people, and, you know, and injuring them, I think when they were handling them or something like that. But the scientists on uh, f- fizz.org, fizz, is it phys? dot org, So fizz,, Fizz. Fizz.org. they've come up with, this, these scientists have come up with a solution to test these various yeast strains to see if they have that potential to explode. I would go into the details, but there's a lot of, like, letters and numbers and like I think, like a lot of I don't know, like sciency stuff, and that's not something that uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna read science. It, 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 believe it or not, it's a beer show, and there is some sort of integrity when it comes to the presentation here. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into the, the science of it. But hold on one second. Opening up my little cooler, i like my back is sweating so bad. Let's crack open one of the show beers, shall we, ladies and gentlemen? Let's see. Sorry, I was just reading the back of it. All right. Ooh. Okay, so the next article, and this has been, uh, this, these, uh, these articles are coming from places that have, been, uh, that have been showing up quite a bit lately in my uh, procurement of these uh, materials. And this one is from the southjerseybeerscene.com, sjbeerscene.com, which um, yielded a fantastic, um, Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in a minute. It's uh, uh, a fantastic article a couple weeks ago, and this one is entitled uh, Beer Styles That Need to Make a Comeback. The experts have weighed in. This is written by Tom Rinzuli, and, uh, and here it comes. Uh, there are more to beer than just styles and trends that dominate the market. Hazy IPAs, sours, milkshake, and pastry are beers that are riding a wave of of popularity right now, and are all in the tasting rooms and tabs all over the place. There are plenty of beer styles that could use some attention. I asked some brewers and industry folks what style they think they would like to see make a comeback. And here they are. Uh, Mark, okay, this guy's name is Mark Heine. I don't care what anyone says. It's, it's, the spelling is H-A-Y-N-I. It's Heine, but I would call him Heine. You know, just to tease the poor bastard. But uh, Mark Heine is a beer writer at The Shore, is the name of his publication. And he wants to see some ESBs come out, which is extra special bitters. And he says that it combines a perfect balance of malt and hop bitterness and is easy drinking, which makes it a great session beer. Interesting. I would like to read a little bit more about the uh, ESBs. You know what? I have the power of pause. Let me do that right now. So the uh, extra special or strong bitter is essentially a more aggressive and more balanced bitters, uh, which is a English a style of uh, ale, uh, and both an alcohol and hop character. Uh, they shouldn't be overpowering, however. The color range will be similar, uh, though RS, uh, ESBs lean toward a darker end of the scale with dark gold to copper. They're low in carbonation, and this style is commonly served on a cask. Served on cask. Uh, Malts, often toasty and fruity, tend to be more pronounced, with the possibility of some uh, diacetyl diacetyl notes. Terrible at words here. Uh, And despite the word bitter in the name, the the beers aren't really all that bitter at all. The the key to ESB is balance and drinkability. So anywhere from uh, 4% to 7% alcohol by volume, and the IBUs are 20 to 40. And some of the more popular ones that we have here are Hobgoblin, you guys have definitely heard of Hobgoblin. That's like one of the funnier names of the beers that uh, that come out. And uh, let's see what else we have here. Oh, Foster's Premium Ale is on there. That sounds terrible. But Hobgoblin is really the one that comes uh, that comes highly rated here. Not highly rated in terms of like the score, but th- there's a bunch of it on uh, Beer Advocate. I'm moving along here, uh, M- Michael Brodersen of the Pinelands Brewing Company says barley wine. Okay, he said, full-bodied with both malt and strong hop characteristics. It also ages well and drinks smooth. We need to teach people to sip and enjoy beer again instead of guzzling it. And you know what? I got to agree with the guy, with the guy, with the guy, because I find myself doing the same thing. I find myself pounding beers down sometimes, really too. Hard. I mean, it, it's, I get what he's saying, but it is just so easy to do now, especially this one. I just took a sip of it, and my goodness, my goodness. What a treat this one is. I, I think I, I do what I get what he's saying, that it is important for us to slow down, mellow out and really just enjoy what we're having. And a barley wine, you have to do that because you're probably going to feel a little sick if you do uh, if you do too much of it. Should I read about barley wine, too? Should I do that? I have the power of pause. I'm going to do it. Uh, barley wine, despite its name, a barley wine or barley wine is very much a beer, albeit a strong and often intense beer. In fact, it's one of the strongest styles. Lively and fruity, sometimes sweet, sometimes bittersweet, but always alcoholic. A brew of this strength and complexity can be a challenge to the palate. Expect anything from an amber to dark brown color, with aromas ranging from rich fruits to bold hops. The body is typically thick. Alcohol will definitely be perceived, and flavors range from a dominant dark fruit to palate-smacking resiny hops. English varieties are quite different from the American efforts, which are often heavily hopped with high-alpha oil American hops to create a more bitter brew. English versions tend to be more rounded and balanced with a slightly lower alcohol content, though this is not always the case. Most barley wines can be cellared for years and will age much like wine. They're 8.5 to 15% alcohol by volume and the IBUs are anywhere from 60 to 100. And some of the more uh, rated ones, uh, the high, uh, like the the most rated we have here is Bigfoot, which is from the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. We also have um, Third Coast Old Ale from Bells. Uh, old School Barley Wine from Dogfish Head. Um, there's there's a bunch here. Brewers Reserve uh, Bourbon Barrel Barley Wine from Central Waters. What else do we have here? Trogues has Flying Mouflan. Sierra Nevada makes a barrel-aged um, one as well. Rogue has Excess Old crustace- Crustacean. Excuse me. Um, I think that's it. Griffin's bow is from Sam Adams, but um, yeah, yeah, those are the ones. I think that uh, this is going to be the year that I did that I do a barley wine. I have not done any barley wines on the sh- on the show. You know, like I said, there's uh, there's some beers that have been ignored and they shall be ignored no longer. Uh, Sean Grigas and Gail Debate from Tomfoolery Brewing say brown ales, and I agree with them wholeheartedly. Uh, they are crisp and clean, but not as bright. And Hoppy is a pale ale, and they're not as malty as a Bock. It also has more flavor than a lager, but not in your face like a porter or stout, which makes it a perfect in-between beer. I think that's such a really great explanation of what a brown ale is, and that's just a fantastic. It's a, it just really tickles me a little bit here. Uh, Billy Topley from the Ludham Ludlam Island Brewery says, Hell is Lager, one of my favorites. Head brewer uh, Joey Lallock will be brewing a smoked hellas lager, not my favorite. This fall, this beer is a is fashioned after an old German brewery and malt house because the barley was roasted in the house. It gave all the beers a slightly smoky flavor. And then the quote says I can't wait for this one and we will let you know when it's ready. I don't like smoked beers. Uh I've I've had them before. They're just they're just the smoke just takes over for me, you know. And it just doesn't make it enjoyable for me whatsoever. But hey, you know what? Give it a shot. I mean, it might be good with a hellas lager, you know? Hellas lagers are so refreshing and so, so crisp and delicious. I mean, it's like, for me, it's like Kolsch and Helles lager and then pretty much any German pills or Czech pills or anything like that. Next we have from John Anderson, AC Beer and Music Fest and Witchcraft Beer Festival. That sounds like fun. Witchcraft Beer Festival? Belgian Whites. Look at that. I don't get too hopped out and I could drink a few. Plus, it's a style that has to be done well in order for it to be crushable. When he says Belgian whites, does he mean Belgian like Witta, like the W I T T E? Because um, I've always stayed away from the Belgians. Rob was huge on the Belgians, but I do know that um my gang had a, a good uh, wit, and I think uh, Flagship makes one too. There, they they make a, a good uh, wit beer as well, or a Belgian one for uh, for that matter. Uh, John, Josh, Kitzlaff, and Pete Steele from Eight and Sand Beer Company have said. Alt beer. It's a balanced style with tons of malt character and a light Christmas to it. Crispness, not Christmas. Christmas in July. Add some noble hops and you have a pretty refreshing beer. I don't know if I've ever had an alt beer, but I'll definitely have to give it a try. English dark mild. This is an interesting one. Is that kind of like a black and tan? I think we can all agree on this one. Although Yard's Brewing keeps this style on our minds, I don't think it's a natural phenomenon. Again, nice malt characteristics and highly crushable. I'm gonna have to. Give, I'm gonna have to like copy all this shit down and just try to figure out where do I f- fit, uh, factor into all this. Uh, Chris zone for for also from Eight and Sand Beer Company, says a Berlin 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 Berliner Vice. Been a long week. Words are tough. Uh, it's a great session beer and refreshing. Uh, while fruited Berliners are nice, I want a clean, crisp one with no adjuncts. I don't. I don't I- listen. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. This is kind of like, I think it's like the German sour. Every single one of them that I've ever had tastes like vomit. Okay? Vomit. It's not even like I'm joking. Fucking vomit. And like, there's no, what are you, I mean, there's nothing that's ever been enjoyable. I've always said to myself, try to find, try to find something that you could enjoy about a beer. Every Berliner Weiss I've ever had, I've wanted to just throw up, because it is throw up in your mouth. Already. It's like you it's like you've regurgitated and it's there. You gotta you gotta spit it out. I mean and you know what? I'm gonna have them. I'm gonna have them in September. I know that for sure. Sorry about that, everybody. Adam Kernell from Garden State Beer Company says lagers. Straight up. Something clean, crisp, and refreshing. With those styles uh with those styles dominating the market, sometimes I just crave a regular beer, especially after a long brew day. They're more difficult to brew too. Uh, which makes uh, which was is a welcome challenge. Hey, man, go for it. Uh, Jim Sacco from Vinyl Brewing Company says, Best bitters, sessionable all-day drinkers, a lot of flavor, and a low ABV beer. That's now the second English-style beer that's made it to the list here. Tara Nuren, uh, writer of Forbes New Jersey Monthly uh, of the What's on Tap show, says, Brown ale, maybe nut brown, or Kentucky common ale. Kentucky common ale? Making me feel, making me feel like I don't know shit. Because I no longer have a wish for Porter Revival and Kentucky Common because it's an almost lost style. Oh, well, thank you. It's pretty much gone. It's one of my favorite um, of the very few native to, this, to the states. Kentucky Common is, is not native to the state? Very native to the state. Okay, sorry. Like I said, words are tough. Jason Chapman of the Pinelands Brewing Company says, Alt beer and hybrid styles like a Kolsch. Agreed. Uh, there are some of them around, but not many. I brewed on uh, an alt beer in 2013, and I was homebrewing called Alternative Motives. I may need to bring that back. Do it, brother. Do it. Stan Iliucci from Atco Brewing Company says German Pilsner, because you can't hide anything in a German Pilsner. This guy's got it nailed. It's true. There's nothing you could do to make that, that shit fucking, It's it's so simple, and it's so damn good. And then this last guy here, PJ Wendell says a Saison or farmhouse ale, the style. I don't think that gets enough love might not be something that was here and now is gone, but I think a well done Saison, specifically a sour Saison or farmhouse ale is my choice. You know, he's right. Not a lot of love to the Saisons, but they're definitely out there and, uh, and they're definitely something that, uh, that you want to give a try to. Uh, from porchdrinking.com, Goose Island has revealed its 2019 Bourbon County Stout lineup, ladies and gentlemen. And also, before I do that real quick, um, Bell's has released a new ale called Light Hearted. And it is their Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. But it's uh, extremely sessionable, and it's supposed to be low calorie and stuff like that. It's they say that they pack in all of the wonderful things that everyone loves about Bell's Two Hearted, but in a small uh, in a three point seven percent alcohol by volume beer. I would love to see if that's if that's if it's if it's crushable or not. But it's something that we'll have to uh, we'll have to we're gonna have to see uh, when it comes out. But Mike Zoller over at porchdrinking.com pulled out this article here, uh, wrote this article here. Uh, about the bourbon counties that are out. And this is how it reads. After weeks of speculation and multiple labels filed to the TTB that didn't quite make the cut. I don't know what TTB is. Uh, Goose Island has announced its 2019 bourbon county stout lineup. I got to take a sip of beer. Hold on. Oh. Like last year, there will be uh, the original bourbon county. Oh, by the way, this was the beer that that started murdering the mixer. It was good. But it, it caused some chaos. Like last year, there will be the original Bourbon County with seven variants, making eight beers in total. In addition to the eight different uh, Bourbon County Stouts, Goose Island will also be releasing a three-year vertical box set with the original Bourbon Counties from 2017 to 2019. Okay, that's really neat. So this is a really cool part of the craft beer experience. This is a beer that everyone waits for, even though Goose Island isn't necess- isn't craft anymore. Still craft beer drinkers out there, I think they they turn a, a a blind eye to this one. Goose Island did kind of fall off a little bit in terms of their quality of their beers. But when it comes to the Bourbon County Stout, it's like it's it's something to behold and it's something that is still respected. And you know what? I think that the people that do turn the blind eye do have it year in and year out and I think they do it because they want to see if they could find some flaws to 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 murder them about to be like look you you guys fucking sold out and you guys aren't making this beer the way you used to so this um this vertical box is really neat it's a literally a, a you know the three bottles standing up in a box very nicely prese- uh, very nice presentation and it's the 1718 and 19 um the 7, 18, 18, 17, 171819 uh vintages uh right there and there i would actually get two of those um, oh it's gonna be released on black friday, which is- which is a traditional thing um I would get two boxes of that and sell her one for as long as I can do it, and then have the other one just for me so the first uh the first one that we have in the lineup is the bourbon county stout uh the classic beer began the barrel aging style so many years ago uh the beer uh the beer this year uh spent time aging in a mix of heaven hill buffalo trace and Wild Turkey Barrels, I'm a big fan of Buffalo Trace bourbon, expect a richer, thicker mouthfeel than years past, according to the brewery. And here's a quote. Excuse me. We're really excited for this year's release. Bourbon County Stout original is one of the best yet with lots of rich chocolate and fudge notes, says Keith Gabbitt, the brewmaster. We pushed our own expectations of what a Bourbon County Stout variant can be. Which has resulted in with uh, some very fantastic versions. Next up on the list here we have the Bourbon County Double Barrel Stout. Uh, for the past few years, few years, Goose Island has had a double barrel variant that never made it to the bottles. Interesting. See if I can. Can I just zoom in a little bit? No, it's not working. Uh, instead, the rare release was featured occasionally at the tap room uh, and at special festivals like uh, Fobab. I, I, I can't I'm not even gonna try to like break that down. Finally, the beer makes its day de- debut uh, with mass production. Uh, based on images released from Goose Island, it looks like this variant will have its own separate box. It does look like it's coming in like a what a bottle of scotch would come in like that cylinder box. Uh, the beer spent time in 11 year old Elijah Craig barrels. And then we're moved to 12-year-old Elijah Craig Barrels. As you expect, the beer will be very barrel-forward with strong bourbon notes, And here we have Gabbat again saying, I'm extremely proud of our Bourbon County uh, Double Barrel Stout. The layering of the two coveted barrels from the same distillery and the extended aging times allows us to really showcase what's possible uh, with Bourbon County Stout. That's going to be an interesting one to to taste. Then we have the uh, two-year reserve Bourbon County Stout that's coming out, spending twice the amount of time in barrels as the traditional uh, BC's, BCS. Uh, the two-year reserve is a new twist on the variant because it's uh, it's been in the lineup for the past two years. Uh, the brewery used 11-year-old Knob Creek barrels, which results in an oak-forward flavor with chocolate, hazelnut, and maple. Now we're getting to the uh, to the variants, like the different variants here. We have the Reserve Rye Bourbon County Stout. Uh, For the first year since the brewery started uh, doing the reserve variant, uh, Goose Island is releasing a second reserve in the same year. For this variant, the beer spent time in Rittenhouse rye barrels, giving the beer a spicier taste that you would expect from a rye whiskey. And we have here the uh, proprietor's Bourbon County Stout. Uh, If you were following along with the sites that were tracking the labels as they were approved by the TTB, still don't know what that is. I'm sure maybe it's a label thing. I don't know. You'll see that the uh, prop this year is exactly what was the first label that it showed. In homage to the past few years, this year's prop features the fused flavors of toasted pecans or pecans, coconut, cocoa, and vanilla. It'll be interesting to see how these flavors show up in the beer and how it'll actually taste. Then we have the Bourbon County Wheat Wine Ale. Now, this is interesting because it's the first one on this list that has a reddish or purplish kind of like like kind of like almost like an amber reddish hue to it. Wheat Wine made its debut in the lineup last year and ended up winning a medal at Fobab. Uh, This year's beer was aged in larceny weeded bourbon casks. Uh, You'll Get notes of caramel, toffee, vanilla, and butterscotch. If you liked last year's version, you should be a fan of this year's version. Then we got the uh, Bourbon County Cafe de Oulala Stout. Oulala, and this one is uh, you know it's got coffee. Okay, I'm not gonna I can't just keep you know reading every single one of them like this. Well, this one's got the coffee in it, and it's, again, it's gonna. Oh, let me tell you the colors of the labels. Hold on, excuse me. So we did the. uh Okay, the regular one is just that regular black. The regular Bourbon County style is the regular black and white label. Then the uh, the double barrel is all black label. The two year reserve is a black and as a as a white and silver label. The Reserve Rye is, um, the white white and like a, I'm gonna say fuchsia label. The Proprietor one is a blue and white label. The uh, Bourbon County Wheat Wine Ale is a yellow a dark mustard yellow and white label. The Bourbon County Cafe de la is like a a burnt orange and white label, and then we are up to the next one. I'm so sorry that I forgot to. The colors of the labels are, are the most important thing. Let me take a sip here. Bourbon County Mon Cherie Stout. Oh, huh, huh. Uh, excuse me. This one here is uh, it's featuring like a purple and white label, and um, it's. Uh, it's got cherries in it. There you go. It's got cherry... Co- expect flavors of cherry, cobbler, vanilla, and chocolate. And it's a fruitier version. And that's it. That's what comes up. And then there's some that said that it didn't make the cut. One of them was an oyster stout, double dry hopped stout. Oh, wow. That would have been really interesting to have. And then um, they had the Bourbon County brand Irish style coffee stout was approved but didn't make it. Ah shucks. That sucks. That would have been pretty cool to try to have. Okay, the last uh, article I have here for you guys this week is from the and it's an opinion piece by Simon Nielsen, and it's it says why craft beer is dying. Seems a bit pessimistic, but let's let's go ahead and read. As I write this, I am sitting at the counter of a coffee shop in my hometown of Appleton, Wisconsin. There are, There are four cans of fruited hazy IPA and pastry stouts available. And a tap line of God knows what. I would describe them as styles that are chasing trends in the current craft beer market. However, I am also fairly often described as, among other things, a pessimist. Oh, uh, yes, I thought so. Just reading the title. I'm a 32-year-old craft brewer, and I've spent most of my career at Central Waters Brewing Company in Amherst, Wisconsin. Most of my time uh, there has been spent as their head brewer. Shouldn't I feel like the old guy in the industry yet? I shouldn't feel like the old guy in the industry yet. But I do, as consumers are leaving flagship brands in the dust and instead clamoring for whatever the latest styles are. I'm finding brewers like myself growing exhausted at the pace of releases and constant need to push boundaries seemingly just for the sake of doing so. You know, I read this article here. I'm reading this guy's opinion. And a part of me hates it because, you know, I read something about this guy about a guy before who just didn't. He didn't like having to keep up with the changes and stuff like that. But then again, I, I, I'm i reading this and I'm hearing what he's saying and I'm looking at a brewery like Flagship, which is one of my hometown breweries right here, and they are coming out with – they're working at that feverish pace. And I think it I, – I mean, my whole thing would be – again, I'm not a brewer and I'm not a businessman, so I don't really know – I would be like brew what you want, and then if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. I mean, obviously, that's definitely not the way to go here. I mean, if you want to keep your business open and you want to keep customers and you want to keep food on your table, I'm pretty sure you're going to have to go up with the trends, or you're going to be left in the not necessarily in the dust, but you're going to close down like the Staten Island Brewing Company did. That was well, they were also tucked away behind a Home Depot, and no one knew they were there. I digress. As consumers are leaving, so how did we get here? If we rewind the tape on how the craft beer revolution began, images of young Ken Grossman building Sierra Nevada from the ground up in the 1980 spring to mind, Uh, as well as the pioneers like uh, Fritz Maytag of Anchor Brewing Company, Jack McAuliffe, New Albion Brewing Company, and the beer hunter Michael Jackson. Uh, These early brewers and writers built a movement by producing... Oh, I think Michael Jackson did the... Did he do the, the brewing manual? Anyway, these early brewers and writers built a movement by producing and writing about beer styles that had generally fallen uh, by the wayside, including stout porters and pale ales. Uh, later, uh, breweries such as Dogfish Head began, uh, would begin to take these styles to another level by experimenting with the addition of culinary ingredients or brewing techniques that were novel to beer. Uh, Dogfish Head, established in 1995, produced beers that were far outside of what was considered normal at the time. Beers loaded with ingredients like maple syrup, raisins, beet sugar, uh, pumpkin, and anything else that you could wrap your head around. Uh, Their production brewery lost money for years and had to pull in resources from their restaurant just to stay open. They had a vision, though, a belief in a truth that they wanted to express, and they believed that it would translate. Eventually, it did. And they are now producing nearly 300,000 barrels of beer a year and merged with the Boston Beer Company this spring. Pause for a sip. I can't just let this sit here. I have to drink it. So what exactly is the difference between the innovation of this industry that was this innovation, the, the innovation this industry was built upon and what we are witnessing today? On the surface, I will admit, uh, there does not appear to be much of one. Uh, The beers sitting in front of me today seem almost like the next logical progression. However, once you look beneath the surface, I believe the difference has become more obvious. Today's consumers have more choices in beers and brands than ever before. With roughly 7,000 breweries in the United States and more on the way, consumers are becoming buried beneath options. That isn't a bad thing. Necessarily, unless the majority of those options are becoming increasingly similar to one another, I have to say I agree with them here. That is true. Uh, you know there are people out there to say you have one i p a you have them all to me that the loss of originality is what's killing the heart of our movement. Where have the artists gone? Where have the brewers with something to say have gone? I understand that the liquor store shelves are lined with a plethora of overly hopped, juicy, fruity, hazy beers, but why? It is because we are all suddenly extremely passionate about this one style. Is it because we are all suddenly uh, extremely passionate about this one style, or is it because we are all desperate to have an offering in this hot new style category? Wow. Wow. I can tell you from being embedded deep deep inside this industry that many breweries are scrambling to pack ingredients and haze into beers, often to appease their consumers, not because they are the beers that we are reaching for in the end of the brew day. It is not not what many of us are passionate about. Sorry, someone had to rip the Band-Aid off. Might as well be me. While I have heard people blame millennials who allegedly can't drink the same beer twice for this current culture, I would argue that the real problem lies with us, the brewers. Pause. I will say, I'm sorry, I do drink, I can't drink the same beer twice, friend, because I have a beer show where I review a unique beer every week. It's called Three Beers In. www.threebeersin.com. That's two N's at the end. Not to be confused with Three Beers In That stole my name from Texas. Hold on one second. That's incredible. Where were we? Uh, Many of us are actively chasing trends in an effort to gain or maintain our market share and stay relevant, and that is inherently unprofitable. When a company, no matter the industry, spends time and resources trying to catch a wave that has already peaked, it is riding the wave on its way back down when a company spends the same time developing its own unique offerings however it creates its own wave and it could ride it in its entirety it is a risk to go <clears throat> excuse me it is a risk to go with your own unproven creation it may not resonate with people it is far easier to go with what seems to be working in the market but in the long term that decision carries with it risk of slowly killing what it is we have all fought together to build so we have a couple of options we could stop blaming the market and the consumer brewers uh, we could stop blaming the market and the consumer brewers we can be bold and create remember why it remember why it is you who took out the loan for brewing school worked two jobs to make ends meet and chase your dreams it is because you had a vision Owners, allow your brewers to take your brand in directions that may break away from IPAs and pastry stouts. When we decide to focus on what caused craft beer to be so special with us, to us in the first place, we will maintain the integrity of what made our movement so special and differentiated us, differentiated us from all those years ago when first real craft brewers began with their breweries. When we attempt to control our market share by chasing what we think consumers want... We lose our identity and our individuality and are no longer artists. We may as well peel off that independent craft seal from our labels and sell the brewery to InBev. That is the equivocation of the second opinion. After all, what was that word we used to describe the difference between all the large beer brands for years? Oh yeah, sameness. You know, this, this, I mean, I started when I was, when I started reading this article, I, I, I got kind of upset because of like how I reacted to that. I read this article way back about a guy who just, he, he was upset because like no one wanted to drink his beer and I told him to just be better at it. But this guy really hits me. I mean, what he's saying here is, is important, I think. As a consumer, or as a, I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not your average consumer. Okay, I I I chase different beers, or I buy different beers because I want to do a unique beer on the show, or a unique like thing. Like I don't go in there, like I don't think I would personally act. I don't think I would personally purchase beer the way I do if I didn't have this podcast. You understand? Like I think I would um. I think I would find some stuff. I, I actually think I would just drink Flagship beer, to be honest, or Killsborough. I'm not even going to joke with you here. If I didn't have this podcast, which I'm going to have for a very long time, if I didn't have this podcast, I would go to Killsborough or wherever they're located. I think they're located in the craft house. And I would go to Flagship and I would just exclusively get their beer. Because number one, it's fucking delicious. And number two, it's right there. So you have delicious, wonderful craft beer right in your backyard. And we have a new place coming. Rube R- R- Salmon Horman is going to be here soon. And you're going to want to have that beer. So I I don't resonate. I don't get what um, I don't necessarily get the picture here because I do it for a specific reason and I know that if I if I was afforded the option of just sticking to a brewery I would probably do it I probably would because you know you get to I mean when when we went to the flagship to do the interview and stuff I mean those guys were fucking dope man they were they were cool they 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 were just down to earth they were fun to be around I mean and that's awesome. I mean, so you know, you're going there and you become part of a of a community. It's a communal thing. So, I mean, that's something that I think is so much more important than, um, than just chasing specific styles of beer and stuff like that. L- like, for example, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest, which is uh, which I am on this podcast. Flagship came out with a uh, New England style IPA, and I didn't like it. Does that mean I hate Flagship? No. Does that mean that I'll never have a beer from them again? No. I just didn't like theirs. It's no big deal. It's it's that's it. Does it does that mean they make bad beer? Absolutely not. They make fantastic beer and I enjoy it. Did Killsborough make a better one? In my opinion, yes. They did. But does Killsborough Killsborough have a of a, a lager beer? I don't think so. I don't think I've seen one. I've seen some some Terramasu's. I've seen their Hang Glider, their their New England style IPA. I've seen some 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 sours with uh, you know, tea in it. But that's cool. That's their journey. That beer's good. But you know what? For me, I mean, it's just if I didn't have the show, I'd have the best of both world both best of both worlds right there. Flagship making quality, delicious beer. Killsboro making quality, delicious beer that's a little quirkier, but still damn good. So I hear what he's saying here. And 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 maybe this is something that is going on in the brewing community when it comes to these uh these brewers. But it's a very scary thing, Simon. I mean, I'm reading this article. I'm I'm putting your words out there and it's a scary thing to tell a brewery that they're going to have to uh that they should change how they how, uh, you know, their approach. I mean, uh, you know, you you're messing with you're not messing with it, but you're you're talking about people's livelihood here. You know? Let's get into the beer. Okay, as I said earlier, we're going to be drinking from Duclaw, Citra Snuggie, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the cool thing about this is uh, is the label. Okay, it's a 16 ounce can, uh, and it and it looks like an infomercial. Okay, I actually gonna I'm gonna have to take a picture of this to 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 put on the uh, on the on the uh, Facebook and stuff. It's called Citra Snuggy, and it's a man with a beard. He looks extremely happy. And if you're familiar with the Snuggy um, blanket with the arms, he's wearing that of Citra Hops. And it's a double India pale ale. It has a not seen on TV label on it. This is one of the cooler cans that I've ever seen. And here on the side it says "Bruden and Can by uh Duclaw. Drink now! In the in the in the you know, it's exc- exclaimed. Experience Blankety Soft Beer with our oversized Citrus Snuggy double IPA. USA made with a 100% citra hops, notes of mango, pineapple, and stone fruit. One size fits all adults. Drink comfy. Now, I tried to get onto their website, and I, it was down. So I went on to, I swung over to Beer Advocate to see uh, what the, um, okay, this is untapped. I don't even know why it's doing that. Where's Where's Beer Advocate? Okay, here we go. I swung over to Beer Advocate to, uh, to see what we get here. Uh, this is a brand new beer. Um, And it's also a one-off, meaning they will never brew this again. Or they might brew it again, but right now, you know, get it if you see it, because this might be it. So when I pour it into the glass, this is the first time I've ever seen such visible flakes of... I saw an actual, what looked like it was oatmeal, okay? The flake looked like it was just a a steel-cut oat that made its way into the glass. Give me one second, because my... Laptop decided to go off the internet yet again, but I'll tell you about how it looks. It's a very, very nice. It's a pale, ha- it's hazy, but it's a it's like a pale, dark, dark yellow color. The flakes that are just floating around in here are just, it's it's an it's enticing to look at. Okay, very enticing to look at. Uh, I got about two fingers of head, and it's a, almost a purely white head. Um, Beer Advocate has it listed as an American Imperial IPA. They have they're saying on the bottle here or the can rather that it is a uh what did I say again? A uh, double uh, India Pale Ale. Like I said here, one-off ladies and gentlemen, so it's it's available right now. They might not do it again from DuClaw Brewing out of Maryland. They did Dirty Little Freak, which was I think a stout that had like coconut in it. It was pretty good, but a little bit too um a little bit too what call it? Sweet for me. Uh, wrap yourself in the pillowy mouthfeel of flaked oats and tropical goodness in Citra Snuggy. The medium-bodied double IPA will bring all the best of Citra hops and notes of mango, pineapple, and stone fruit, followed by low notes of grapefruit and a touch of lime. Enjoy. Now, this is what I like about this. It has here the double IPA, golden color. It's, it's the same color, everything. Hop variety, it's just Citra. So it's a single hop. Uh, IPA which I which I really like but here they add the grains and this is what it this is what I think it tells Simon that this is what's missing there are people out there that have not experienced knowing what the ingredients are in the beers and if you're thinking that it gives it away or something I don't know but it's really interesting to see this part they're using pilsner grains flaked oats and golden naked oats I really love the fact that they add that there because I know that these hazier IPAs and these unfiltered beers, the grain and the malt that is used in them are very important when it comes to what exactly you're going to be getting in terms of the flavor profile. So from the look of this beer, it has the makings of something that's going to be delicious. It kind of looks like um, it, it looks like a double India pale ale, but it's also unfiltered. So is it a New England style? I don't know. I don't believe it is. I think this is just going to be a double India pale ale, and then I'm going to give it a taste. Well, let me give you a nose real quick. I do have a little bit of a cold, so please forgive me. It has this this extremely... It, it's it's not too dank, but it has a very pleasant aroma to it. There's a sweetness there that's on the nose, and it's also a pineiness as well. Like, it doesn't smell like it's too, too sweet, but it, it it has a very inviting aroma to it, and it just makes you want to take a sip right here. Mm. Such a pleasant mouthfeel. There's a little bit of a dryness in the beginning. It's so mango sweet in the front. It it tastes. It has the flavor of New Eng, of a New England style IPA. Then there's a dry bitterness at the end. I think that's where that grapefruit comes in, and it is good. The only thing that I don't like about this beer is it's 8.3% and you do get a bit of that a bit of that burn. It is there. It's not too over the top, but it's there. One of the things I really like about this beer is is the the amount of flaked oats that I see in it. You know, I'm actually I'm actually I really love that right now. It's just it's it's incredible to see that they're just there like that. But in terms of the flavor here, hang on. That mango and pineapple, I'm not getting so much. Mm. There's a little bit of a plum flavor on the turn after the pineapple. The mango and pineapple are there 100%. They're 100% right about there. I don't taste any lime, so the touch of lime thing goes out the window for me. But I tasted like a plum or like a prune flavor in the turn, and then there was a bitterness, and then that's when the alcohol burn comes And that kind of like, it doesn't turn me off. This is still an excellent beer to me. Like, I think this is a really fantastic beer. Hold on one second. Like, I would definitely, I wish this wasn't a one-off. Like, I wish they would do this beer more often uh, because it has such a fantastic flavor to it. Like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so pleasant. And, um, it's got a great mouthfeel to it, too. Like, it's not too, it's, it's not too thick or anything like that. It's just, it goes down real smooth. Um, the appearance of it is, I love it. You know, it has, like, a great look to it. The flakes in here might turn people off a little bit. They might look at it and say the beer might be off. But for me, it's like, it's like perfect. Mm. I can't wait to enjoy this. I'm not gonna drink this fast. This is something I'm gonna really enjoy. But as to terms in terms of a rating, this gets an 8.9, ladies and gentlemen. An 8.9 out of 10. Now, this is an ale. And on the Mount Rushmore, we had from Pipeworks Brewing Company Blood of the Unicorn. Okay. Which was a red ale or an amber ale. But you know that if 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 the rating changes like that and there's a higher rated beer, then that goes on the Mount Rushmore, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! Citrus Snuggy from Duclaw Brewing Company, ladies and gentlemen. It is absolutely delicious. It's a double India Pale Ale, not a New England style IPA, even though I said Blood of the Unicorn would be overtaken by a New England style IPA. This is really, really good. There's a bit of an alcohol burn that I don't like, which kept it at the 8.9. Would love to put it over the top, but 8.9 is a pretty fair beer drinker score for a beer that comes like this. And it makes it to the Mount Rushmore, ladies and gentlemen, which you know is a very coveted place to be. It's a one-off, so I don't know if it's going to stay there forever. What if it stays there for the for perpetuity? a one-off beer that no one will ever be able to have ever again stays there i don't know maybe it will happen but either way ladies and gentlemen i really hope you enjoy your week i hope that this show is enjoyable to you i'm going to i'm sorry that if it was a little slow or a little draggy or a little weird i'm going to get i'm going to get much better with it once these fantasy drafts are done and I'm back in the in the, in the the driver's seat, ladies and gentlemen. And stay tuned because there's going to be some really awesome, awesome interviews coming up. Some names that you may know, some names you may not know. Either way, awesome interviews coming. Just a wonderful, wonderful show we have here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in week in and week out. If you can give us five stars on iTunes, that'd be cool. If you want to drop us a line, drop us a line. But thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to catch you next week. Take care, everybody.